Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Before we go any further, I want to ask you to subscribe to the show, give it a five-star rating, leave us a nice comment if you would be so kind. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all over the place. And, well, there's a good chance that you already know that. But if you're listening in a browser... Head on over, get your subscription going completely free. Now, at PCRM, at Chuck Carroll, WLC, that's with two R's, two L's, and the WLC, standing for Weight Loss Champion. Those are two major follows that you need to make on Twitter. A very, very special show on tap today. We are going to teach you how not to die. Let me say that again. We are going to teach you how not to die. Speaking with a titan in the nutrition world, hitting us with all sorts of knowledge, Dr. Michael Greger recorded this live at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. So how do you not die? School is in session. You're going to learn about lowering your risk about dying from the leading causes of death and You're also going to hear about potentially deadly food addictions and how you can break them. Plus, your questions and answers. This was originally streamed live on Facebook, and now it's coming into your earbuds and speakers. Hi, welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. On location here, ICNM 2018. Said it before, say it again. What an amazing collection of just brilliant minds. All about preventative medicine through nutrition. We've got doctors, nurses, fans of the vegan diet. And you, sir, here you come. You sit at this little table doing the podcast with me. And I'm like, I'm in the presence of greatness. There's a lot of greatness here at the conference. In fact, it was an Ornish Gregor sandwich. Ornish started it out. I'm going to close it out. And in fact, there's so speakers here that haven't seen it. Any of these similar like Kevin Hall. I mean, he's like a giant right. at NIH. Very exciting to see him here. So I'm. Uh, this is. I wish I was here the whole time. That's. Uh, but uh, happy to finally make it. Yeah. Well. Well. Let's build your ego a little bit. Anyway, this is Dr. Michael Greger. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, just uh, nutritionfacts.org. You're like the grand poobah. Over there. Poobah. The grand poobah, not just the poobah, my friend. That's right. Um, you're talking about here the top 15 killers from talking about oh. diets. So yeah, 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 yeah. I have, a, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Uh-oh. So if I yes. was still this size, yes. what would be my top 15 killers? Wow, let me hold that up. You would not be that size for too much longer, I'm yeah, afraid. Right. Yeah, um, that's pretty remarkable. 66 inches. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. That was something. Best thing Yikes. I ever did was to uh, slim down a little bit. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> How'd you do it? Uh, you know, so I'll be honest with you. I didn't know anything about plant-based dieting uh, when I decided to have weight loss surgery. If I did, then things might be different. But I will never, Dr. Greger, speak ill of it because what that enabled me to do was break a very, very serious food addiction Mm. Um, because you have that window where you physically can't tolerate those foods. And, you know, when I tried to diet before that, Uh you know, I would go through withdrawal that was Mm. nasty, like getting that stuff out of my system. Like if I didn't get it, 
like I would put my fist through walls and I would have cold sweats at night. And so that was like so hard to kick. And so mm. that's why I will never speak ill of the surgery because mm. you can't physically tolerate it. So I'll speak ill. Yeah, okay. I talk, mean, uh, talk, to me. <laughs> talk to me, man. No, I mean, it's just, right. No, it's kind of like internal jaw wiring, right? right. It's just forcing you right. to, um, to, you know, to, and so it's, is there a way we can get people to change the quality of their diets without rearranging their internal organs? Right. Um, and unfortunately, this information just didn't get to you in time. And that not. is really, I think, the challenge. Right. And that's why people ask me, like, you know, what? You spoke, you know, you, you, uh, you know, spoke in 200 cities in 2016. I mean, how, what keeps you going? And it's like, well, it's the people that come up to me who say, I've never heard of this before in my life. Right. I mean, it's like. And so if they didn't go for whatever reason, they didn't pick up that book, they didn't go to that website, they didn't hear that podcast, whatever it was, they could be dead in a year. I mean, you know, I mean, this is literally life-changing, life-saving information. Right. Um, and so that's why, I mean, this, there, there's like an ethical, you know, I mean, we, you know, there's a, we need to do this yeah. because people don't have this information. Um, and uh, but I'm glad you are where you are today, spreading the word. Well, the the cool thing is, like I said, like things may have turned out differently had I had that knowledge. But now the cool thing with this podcast is we're getting contacted by people who have had the surgery as well. They're like, I didn't think it was possible to go on a plant based diet after I had oh. the procedure. Uh-huh. And you know, I've spoken with Dr. Garth Davis about uh-huh. this, and we've talked agnosium. It's like you absolutely can. Right, right. And just like everybody else, right, right. you're going to be way better off because of right, it. Right. Chew really well, though. Oh, come on. Come on. 40 times at least. I know all that, right, Eat right. slowly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so this was... This right. was yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Garth. What's he up to these days? You know, same deal. I think he's doing, a, he's doing a book, I heard. Uh, a book on uh, on high-fiber diets, I think, is, is the latest I heard from him. But, right. yeah, good man. Right. But, okay, so, by the way, uh, you're watching this. Post your questions, your comments below. Uh, we're going to uh, take a couple here before we wrap up. Uh, we, we, we still got some time. Um, I want to ask you about food addiction. That's, that's kind of, mm. like I said, near and dear to my heart. Mm. And how does the, the plant-based diet help a person overcome that battle? Because, as I was telling you before we got rolling, like, there were right. nights when I would try to kick this habit and I would be in a physical Man. detox, the cold sweats, the rage, Man. putting my fist through a wall. Man. Yeah, well, you know, part of it is uh, you're basically kind of retooling your dopamine system, which is kind of the reward pathways of your brain. So what the, I mean, so, I mean, it's, these are natural, normal, like fun, like hunger, biological drive. Like asking someone not to eat is like asking someone not to breathe. It's just like, right. it is a natural, and we have been hardwired through millions of years of evolution, right, to, uh, in, a, in a context of scarcity, where the more, where, you know, you didn't have to worry about not being able to outrun the saber-toothed tiger. You had to worry about um, the famine, right? right? Living through the winter. Right. Um, and so, I mean, our whole body is designed to conserve weight, to gain weight, to regain weight. Um, uh, and I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Hall talked about that today. I mean, this incredible drive. Um, kind of driving your appetite to regain any kind of lost weight. The metabolic slowing that goes down to your body conserves calories to prevent that weight loss. 
Um, and so these are all these all these natural kind of biological uh, forces are kind of conspiring against you. Um, and the industry that's trying to sell you crab knows it. I mean, th- they have food scientists that just sit around all day and try to make, you know, that Pringles just one more like you can't. You, I mean, so the perfect amount of salt, sugar, crunch, oil, fat, whatever it takes to to basically kind of overwhelm your kind of, you know, your, your self-preservation. Right. 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 right? And so. We are hardwired to desire salt, obviously. There's no salt shakers or KFC out on the African savanna, right? Right. Um, uh, You know, I mean, and fat, that's the most calorically dense food, right? So we're, you know, know, whether we're digging into bone marrow or, you know, eating nuts Mm -hmm. and seeds, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're driven, and so the industry knows this, and so it's created what what in the literature is called hyperpalatable foods. It basically means it, like, just tastes really good. Right. Um, and, And you say, well, wait a second. So what? I'm not going to be able to eat good foods now? Right. Ah, okay. But the secret is is that the, what the industry has done is kind of deadened everyone's palate. By giving people this hyper-sweet, hyper-fatty, hyper-salty food, it deadens your palate such that normal food, healthy food, you know, tastes like cardboard, right? But what happens, so anyone who's tried switching to like whole milk to skim milk or tried cutting down on salt or something, at first, I mean, it just seems undoable, right? right. But slowly, your taste buds, your brain starts to starts to go to the new normal. Right. And then all of a sudden, like you do with this with salt, you give people salt, have people salt to taste, give people soup, salt to taste, and then put them on a low-salt diet. And weeks later... The soup that they originally liked is too salty. They actually prefer lower salt soup. Um, and so so then you get the best of both worlds. Right. Right? With all of a sudden, healthy food tastes good and, right, healthier as well. Right? And so, you know, when someone sees me eating like a sweet potato with some cinnamon on it or something, and they're like, wow, that's you know, there's like, I, I could never do that, but that's good for you. Like, <laughs> like as if I'm like some aesthetic monk or th- something, right? right. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, that, that just, well, but so they don't realize, no, it actually tastes really good to me. Like, it really tastes good. Yeah. It's like a craveable kind of, right? Yeah. But it's the only reason that it doesn't taste good to them is because they've so kind of shot their taste, but, right? I mean, the ripest peach in the world would taste sour after a bowl of Fruit Loops, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just like, I mean, but... We can retool towards natural foods. So if you, so whole food, plant based diet, cutting out all that processed junk, right? All that hyper salty, sugar, fatty junk, and all of a sudden, real food tastes good, right? And so then it's like wait, so it's like now like eating some berries or something is like nature's candy. It's like wait yeah. a second, you get to live longer. And it tastes good. That's what plant-based eating is all about. What a concept, really. Um, I, I want to talk to you about your presentation here because we're on limited time. The, the top 15 killers and how uh, they are affected by your diet. So first of all, the top 15 killers, can you rattle them off quickly in succession? I could totally do that. But instead, but let wait. me... Let me. So that's just the first fifteen chapters of How Not to Die. Good is one chapter on each of the fifteen leading causes of death, and talk about the role diet may play in preventing or reversing um, uh, and treating our top fifteen killers. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to tell all of them today. That's because I want to take advantage of this time that we have, this kind of face time, one on one time to answer questions. Um, and so I'm going to kind of give an abbreviated version of yeah. the talk. But all fifteen are there in the book, and of course, all proceeds I receive from all my books goes to charity. Right. Um, 
So I want to talk about some of the success stories that you're familiar with. Um, being here this weekend has been nothing short of inspire. I mean, super inspiring. Some of the people that I've spoken with, I mean, you were just um, saying hi to Dr. Cyrus Kambata, uh, who gave you a mango, only gave me a peach, by the way. Um, not that there's anything wrong with peaches, but his story is second to none. Are, are you familiar with this? No, no. I just know of his current work. I didn't know his background. Yeah, so he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Type 1, right? um, I think in 2003, had no idea what was going on. Mm. Uh, his physicians essentially put him on a very high meat diet, something similar to keto. And he yeah. said, not only did he feel worse, but his numbers got worse. Of course. And so he started doing his own research and stumbled upon the plant-based diet and see how his health just dramatically, I mean, dramatically right, improved. Right. Right, right. And so now he developed this whole program called Mastering Diabetes, plug, plug, um, that is really just helping so many people. And so this is a type 1 diet. But look, we shouldn't have to stumble. I mean, that's what you hear when you hear some of these success stories is, oh, yeah, I just ran into something or I picked up a book at somewhere or someone told me about this or I bumped into someone at the gym or whatever. It's like life and death decisions should not be a lottery, right? right. These doctors should learn about the power of nutrition and preventing or reversing disease in medical school. That should be the official guidelines. That should be um, what's coming out in the policies. I and mean, that's what, the, that's what our, the businesses should be serving people. That's what schools should be serving children. I mean, the, I mean, it shouldn't have to be just like by chance you happen to stumble across something that could save you and your family's lives. So what is the hang-up with, with medical school? I mean, that's been something that the Physicians Committee has been working on for years. And obviously we're making a great deal of progress, but you know, I, I talk to medical students from all over the world who are like, we spend a day, maybe two on nutrition the entire time they're in school. What's the hang up in your opinion? Right. Well, look, the number one cause of death in the United States is our diet. Number one cause of disability is our diet. According to the Global Burden of Disease Study, the largest study of risk factors in the world, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, so, wait a second. If it's our diet is number one cause of death and disability, then obviously nutrition is the number one thing taught in medical school, right? Obviously, right? Sure. Number one thing that your doctor talks about at every single visit, obviously, right? I mean, it's just like, where's this, di what about this disconnect right. between the science and the practice of medicine? And so actually, that's one of the things I want to talk about um, in my talk today. It's like, where did that come from? Like, how is that possible? And you know, and what I like to bring people back to is it's kind of like the situation in 1950s with smoking. Most doctors, literally most doctors smoked. Yeah. So while they're puffing away, is it any surprise that they weren't telling their doctors to stop smoking? Or like, think of what people, doctors are eating these days, right? right. They're eating these foods that are contributing to our epidemics of dietary disease. And so you, you can see how there's this kind of disconnect. Of course, what was the AMA, the American Medical Association, saying everything in moderation, smoking in moderation, totally fine. Like all these same kind of stuff that you're hearing today, whereas the science was solid even back then. We had decades of science proving that smoking increased risk of lung cancer, but it was just ignored off the face of the earth by the government, by the medical profession, by society in general. The science was there, um, but there were these powerful industries that wanted to keep people in the dark, and we're in the same place today, but there are some folks like you that are shining a light into the darkness. I like that. Q&A time. If you have a question, just go ahead and post it below. Uh, we will do our best to get to as many as possible. First one for you, Dr. Greger. Yeah. This one is from Chet. Chet, thanks for watching. Hello, Chet. 
Are whole plant foods better than processed vegan foods? Absolutely. Whole plant foods are better. So when we're talking about a whole food plant-based diet, that the People misunderstand that and think that means a vegan diet. See, vegan, when a, as a physician, someone comes to me and says they're vegan, right? That just tells me what they don't eat, right? right? I mean, I go speak at these college campuses and they got these vegans, you know, living off of French fries and beer. Okay, vegan foods, right? But not necessarily health promoting. Right. Um, and so where someone says, oh, yeah, whole food, plant-based nutrition. Oh, you actually eat vegetables. What a concept. Yeah, right. right? And so, as a, I mean, from a medical standpoint, that's really the most important thing. Okay. Is what are you eating? Um, and so now, look, having said that, you know, some like veggie burger or something, way better than a regular burger, oh, right? no question. Okay. No question. Now, but is it as good as lentils? No. But... What a great kind of transition food, stepping mm-hmm. stone mm-hmm. towards eating healthier. Not everyone can go from, you know, eating cheeseburgers and milkshakes on day one to, you know, kale, lentil, soup, test day sure. two. Um, so, hey, having some of the, the your favorite tastes and textures and flavors um, to help people move away towards healthier foods, fantastic. Yeah. I just don't want people to stall there. Right. I want people to continue to improve their diet. We're all on this journey, all on this spectrum. We can all ratchet up. Even people eating whole food, plant-based. Yeah. Right? You can be eating bananas or blueberries. Blueberries are better. They're both whole plant foods, right? right. We can all ratchet out every time we put something in our mouth. It's, there's an opportunity cost. It's a lost opportunity to put something even healthier For in sure. our mouth. Um, and so it's all about just giving people the knowledge. You know, the cool thing is, like, you can make healthier options, the healthier veggie burgers. That's, that's the great thing about the plant-based diet is it kind of forces you to be creative in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of becomes a culinary – well, a lot of people kind of become a culinary whiz by necessity. Uh, well, we shouldn't have to. And hopefully, right, as the movement grows, there will be more and more convenient options out there. Right. So now there's, like, frozen meal plans and things like that. But And there's, you know, restaurants everywhere and Whole Foods is doing grass, these hot bars, lots of – but, I mean, really, we need to make easier ways. I'm thinking, like, why don't – think of the cafeterias and all these big corporations, mm-hmm. right? I mean, after lunch is done, what are they sitting around doing, right? They should be making meals people take home for dinner to feed their families, like right. healthy meals. Yeah. Um, you know, how can we make healthy food, you know, uh, you know, uh, more convenient for people? I, right. mean, that's, I mean, it's like taste, cost, convenience. These are still the primary drivers. And so we need to step into this space sure. um, and save some lives. All right. Hold on. I'm going to be your twin here having a hard time reading these things. Oh, oh just the same. Huh? Sexy. Twins. Yeah, right. Those four eyes will get you every time. Uh, from Emily, not to be confused with our wonderful photographer, Emily. Uh, what food do you think everyone should eat in a day? Oh, I've actually got a dozen. The daily dozen. So the, the first half of the book, uh, How Not to Die, is 15 chapters, 15 leading cause of death. The second half um, is, uh, I didn't want, just want it to be a reference book. Yeah, about 3,000 citations. But no, I wanted to be the practical guy to making these day-to-day grocery store type decisions and that's what the second part of the book came out and I center my recommendations around a daily dozen checklist of all the healthiest of healthy foods I encourage people to fit into their daily diet so berries every day the healthiest fruits greens every day the healthiest vegetables uh, you know legumes you know I want people to eat a quarter teaspoon of turmeric every day a teaspoon of ground flax seeds I talk about the, the best beverages best sweeteners how much exercise to get basically uh, just try to inspire people to uh, fit some of the healthiest of healthy foods in their daily living. Question from Steve. Hello, Steve. Will natural peanut butter raise triglycerides? Will natural peanut butter raise triglycerides? How much peanut butter are you eating? 
Uh, you would have to ask Steve. You could so 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 it's it's interesting if you actually eat peanuts. You get um, what what actually happens. No matter how well you chew, there's these little uh, these little peanut particles that kind of make it through you, flush down the other end, and trap all that peanut oil um, and calories in them, such that you actually absorb fewer calories, absorb fewer fat when you eat whole peanuts or whole nuts, as opposed to nut and seed butters. So it's actually preferable, particularly because you're actually feeding your good gut bacteria, the microbiome, instead of everything getting absorbed way up, eating flowered foods, powdered foods, liquefied foods. They're saying these little particles the way nature intended that make it down to our to our uh, to our large uh, intestine and our good gut bacteria otherwise yeah. we're starving our microbial self so there's lots of benefits to eating actually even though look peanut butter is a whole plant right it's on, it can be unprocessed right, right. so um, but even better than peanut butter is actually peanuts well, if you chew it really well you kind of get peanut butter anyway but you still don't chew right? so you actually well, yeah, they do these chew and spit experiments where you actually chew and they, and they spit and then you see you actually only get it down to a few milli- to like you know two millimeters really um, and whereas when you actually grind it you get it down to a thousand times smaller you just get a few micrometers um, and it makes a big difference in terms of digestion chew and spit that'll be next week's show uh, important question from Carla what is hello the, Carla what is the best way to transition to a whole food plant-based lifestyle oh well you know it, it depends on people's psychology but you know pcrm has a fantastic has this kind of three-step method which i really like it was based on the fact that you know people tend to only have like eight or nine main kind of meals that they transition through for dinner right that they just kind of rotate through mm-hmm. if you realize oh wait a second really that's all well then okay let's you know kind of dream up of three things that you know you already eat that are totally hopefully you know pasta prima vera or vegetable soup or all these things you're like wow this is actually healthy and i didn't even do it you know i'm already enjoying it. okay then second step think of three things that could be kind of veganized that could be transit so instead of eating a beef burrito what about a bean burrito it's like wait a second oh you know you switch things that you can make these kind of easy substitutions to revolutionize the nutrition of a meal right yeah and then my favorite step step number three is okay you only got three meals left right before you start down your your, your journey well then you know, go to local public library. There are literally not just shelves of cookbooks, but like shelves of veggie cookbooks. Um, and, you know, find some recipes. You know, explore some new cuisines. You know, a lot of people haven't tried, you know, cooking Ethiopian. or I mean, there's all sorts of really ex- exciting flavors and foods and vegetables out there you've never even heard of. Yeah. And so the, then the third step is to try three new things that you've never tried before that you enjoy or convenient, easy to make, right? And then, there you go. You got your nine, you're off, and you move towards, uh, you know, lunch and breakfast. Um, and so I can't, the important thing is you need to do it at whatever pace will make it sustainable forever, right? So you have these people that, you know, go cold tofu, right? Right, right. It's like, great, but where are you in 10 years? Right? I mean, it's, that's all that really matters. Sure. Right? I mean, if you're a healthy person, it's not what you eat today or next week. It's what are you eating for the next few decades, right? Yeah. And so what, if it takes you a year... To figure out something that you really, your meals that you really like, you know, and you can just notch one up. Okay, I got one meal. I really, okay, now we just got, you know, a couple weeks, you know, you're experimenting. Oh, I found another one. However long it takes to make it a lifelong, sustainable lifestyle. Right on. Melinda. Hey, Melinda. Question. Uh, how can we burn fat on a diet based on carbs? How can we burn? So our body will burn fat 
Regard- so if you just ate uh, table sugar all day, your body would burn fat unless you ate more than your, you know, your caloric allowance. So your body is this amazing, you know, there's like these vehicles that are they have these mixed fuel vehicles. You can put different kind of fuels in vehicles mm-hmm. where your body is not only like that, where you can put any, I mean, you could eat all fat, you could eat all sugar. Your body mixes and matches those fuels to be able to fuel your body. Yeah. But no, it's like having a, a, a mixed fuel car that's actually made out of the fuel. Like, how crazy is that? I mean, ah, right. I mean, it's absolutely. My, our, our body is way smarter. That, so it really comes down to, um, uh, you know, what form those calories take. Right. Um, and so, uh, so when we're talking about carbs, look, there's good carbs. But, you know, the carbs are uh, cotton candy or, or kidney beans. Like, what are we talking here, right? <laughs> right? Um, uh, you know, lollipops or lentils, right? right? And same thing like fat. Are we talking, you know, walnuts or lard? You know, and so we really can't think in terms of micronutrients. We don't eat micro- macronutrients. We think about we eat food, all right? right? So what's the best food to eat? Um, and then it's a matter of uh, keeping the healthiest foods, which are tend to be whole plant foods. Got a few minutes left. If you have a question here for Dr. Greger, go ahead and post it below. Question from Gene, written in cursive. I'm going to do my best here. Is that a J-E-A-N or it a G-E-N-E? J-E-A-N, like jeans. Got it. I got a brother named Gene. Do you? I do. G-E-N-E. Yeah, he's a Gene. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a, is he's he a no, he's named after the famous photographer Gene Smith. For anyone, any Gene Smith fans out there? Yeah, show of hands. No, you can tell my dad was a photographer. <laughs> uh, all right. Question: Realizing that milk has low nutritional value, is there any advantage or disadvantage to drinking almond milk or coconut milk instead of skim milk? Well, I mean, milk has tremendous nutrition for a baby calf, right? Just like human breast milk has tremendous nutrition for an infant baby. But, you know, milk is for babies by definition. Right. And then to drink milk from another species, I mean, it's just kind of crazy talk, right? Um, But so when you think, and now, look, you don't have to drink any kind of milk at all. But if you are kind of now, there's like this plethora of milks out there, right? There's even like oat milks, crazy new milks all the time. Yeah. Every time I seem to show up at the grocery store, there's like a new, you know, what did the, now there's, anyway, so. Um, so what are the healthiest? Um, and uh, and so, you know, first of all, I mean, if I was, uh, you know, ideally be unsweetened, no sugar added. Right. Um, uh, but um, but it, uh, there's really, there's really kind of no contest when it comes to plant-based milks. Soy milk kind of reigns supreme in terms of nutritional value. Rice milk, almond milk. The only way they can get them so they don't taste almondy is to basically remove all the protein. Right. Um, there's very actually little nutrition. There are very few almonds in almond milk. Hmm. But look, and so it really is like, well, what's it a vehicle for? If you're putting your almond milk on Fruit Loops, right, it doesn't matter what kind of milk you're putting on Fruit Loops. You're eating Fruit Loops, right? Preach. But, but if if almond milk will get you to eat more oatmeal, awesome. Use some almond milk. Right. Um, so almond milk would be better. Um, uh, but and I would stay away from coconut milk just because it's um, one of the rare saturated plant fats. Those yeah. tropical oils, coconut oil, palm kernel oil, palm oil, actually raise your LDL cholesterol. Um, and so I encourage people to stay away from those to reduce their intake. No coconut for you. 
No, coconut. No, I didn't say coconut. No, coconut milk. Oh, I co- say. Right. So coconut milk, right, is uh, so because coconut, uh, the whole coconut, Let's like talk about unsweetened it. grated coconut or just eating the actually whole coconut, young coconut, what does it have? It ha- Yes, it has saturated fat still in there because it's got the coconut fat in there, but it also has plant protein and also has fiber, both things that lower your cholesterol. So you actually eat coconut, what happens? Your cholesterol doesn't move at all, huh. right? Um, now, you say, well, that's great. I'm going to eat, but you eat other plant foods. It's got all the plant protein. Got all the fiber, and it doesn't have the. So what happens? Your cholesterol actually goes down. So I mean, why? So choosing a food that just is a neutral effect. Ah, yeah, there's right. better than that. So there's better choices than coconut. Brandon, what, what's what's better? Uh, Cyanobalmin or all right, you go ahead and read that one. Cyanobalmin. Yeah. I already know. Or methylcobalamin. Cyanobalmin. So the cheapest. Um, B12 in the market is the most shelf-stable. That's why okay. we care about it. So methylcobalamin um, uh, is uh, not as shelf-stable. And so they did a sm- there was a small series of uh, vegans who, who are B12 deficient put on methylcobalamin. One of them, um, uh, their levels didn't go up, which can be very serious. So that's why I encourage people to choose cyanocobalamin in the most shelf-stable form. And so one 2,500 microgram tablet of cyanocobalamin once a week, all the B12 you need, costs about 5 bucks a year. Share a bottle with your friends, but critically, <laughs> important that we all have a regular reliable source of vitamin b12 and cyanocobalamin is the best kind how about that uh lori what do you think about meat alternatives hello lori um oh so a great uh transition food stepping stone food right so you're eating burgers eating a veggie burger way better than eating the burger eating lentils even better than right so what did that veggie burger made of eh, right. maybe soy maybe wheat maybe all right so but it's processed probably add salt right, right? right. so so when i think of of processed food um, I, the way I define process is something bad at it or something good taken away. Right. And so it's probably had some fiber taken away, sure. been stripped of some fiber, had some salt, other things we don't like at it. But, oh, my God, compared to, to re- regular meat, absolutely way better. And if it can get you starting on the path towards eating healthier, fantastic. All in favor. But don't want people to stall there, want people to continue. So that's why I call it yellow light food. Um, uh, which is a pl- processed plant food. I encourage people to move their way up to eat uh, food, uh, a diet with as many green light foods as possible, and that is unprocessed plant foods as grown. There you go. Last question from Chuck. You like this haircut? You like this? I'm trying something new here. Is it a little man bun? Actually, it's no, not it's even not a bun. You don't even have enough for bun. No, not quite yet. All but, right. You know, Work but on I'm it. Not, I'm not going to man bun it. I can't be Noah over there. I, I gotta have a little ponytail. Got, okay, got it. I a mean, little self-respect. A little bit, just All a right. little. All right. You know, I'm cool with it. Uh, Dr. Gregor, thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute blast. Oh, happy to help out. Keep up the good work. I will, Dr. Gregor. Too much fun. Many thanks to Dr. Michael Gregor for coming on the show. Be sure to subscribe to The Exam Room and give us a five-star rating and a nice comment if you would be so kind. Also, be sure to share the show. Share it with somebody who you think could benefit from what it is you just heard. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone that you just simply care about. Pass the show along. And if you want to take a deeper dive into what it is that we were talking about, head over to PCRM.org. We have resources on cancer, on heart disease, on Alzheimer's, and many of those cases can be avoided just by watching what's on your plate. 
Remember, as we just heard from Dr. Greger, it's all about fruits, vegetables, grains, and legumes. Hopefully you learned a little bit today about how not to die. I'm the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so much for listening.